you know, just keep trying. Uh, um, just because you don't succeed the first time you're doing something, it doesn't mean that you're bad at it. It means that you haven't had practice, which if it's the first time you've done something, you haven't had practice. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, just, you can't be naturally fantastic at everything um, or naturally know everything. Um, you know, keep learning, keep trying, and just, you know, keep exploring the world. Monica here. Welcome to the Data Podcast for Nerds, where we get to talk to amazing professionals and ask them all about how they're using data to solve the world's problems. Plus, we always include some fun bits because we're all nerds here and we love to have fun. And we're highlighting all of the awesome skills that you can leverage as a data professional. So today with us, we have Cheryl Cavalier. How are you doing today, Cheryl? Great. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> and I have to give a shout out to Nerd Nourishment. We just got some merch. I just like created t-shirts and stuff. So we typically start out our episodes by understanding people's origin stories. So if you could please tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today in your career. Oh gosh, that makes it sound like a superhero, your origin story. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think one one big thing that has stayed with me and been a huge part of, of where I've gotten today is since I can remember, I have been curious uh, about everything around me, uh, um, the hows, the whys, definitely the whys, probably annoyed my parents to pieces as a kid. Uh, um, always asking like, well, why that? Why this? Uh, how does that work? Uh, um, but always trying to figure it out and trying to understand the very complex and interesting world that we live in. Um, people, uh, um, you know, for for me, people have not always been super easy to understand. Huh? Um, so, which I, I have found this is like a more common thing than I thought. Uh, um, but you know, growing up, it just seemed like everyone else was so um, easy to interact with people. But being a weirdo, and I, I mean that in, in a good way. Huh? Um, it, it it can be hard to you know relate to you know non weirdos oh um we're not people that share your weirdness because I think we're mm -hmm. all weird oh um we're all nerds we're all all unique in in different ways but finding those people that share that um but yeah I, I think that that's been a, a big part that's just throughout everything I do I'm just like hmm, how do we do this how do we do this um but also always trying to find patterns. Oh, I mean, that pattern part, I think, is is probably the, the biggest thing that's probably, well, first you ended up with data, you like patterns. <laughs> um, but I mean, as for my actual work history, I think like like a lot of people, it's it has not been a clear shot. Oh, I mean, that that is not, I don't think that happens as much anymore as it used to, like even 10, 15 years ago. Uh, um, most of my background is actually in customer service. Uh, um, I worked in retail and restaurants and, and libraries, both as an individual contributor and as a manager. And recently, uh, more recently, I should say, um, started to work in officially work in the tech field. Uh, um, and I say officially because like data, it's all around us. Technology and data is everywhere. Huh? And just because our title doesn't necessarily say, oh, you're a data person, you're a tech person. You still might be. 
you know, part of, of, of the world is data and technology. Uh, um, so yeah, that's, I guess, I guess part of it, I will say that the reason that I actually started to like move towards this was a, a TV show that used to be on called Numbers. Uh, um, yeah, such a good show. I mean, it was. It was the premise of the show. Math is all around us. It is everywhere. And you just have to find what your part of, of math is because it's, it's everywhere. Everything that you look at, everything that happens, it's all math related. And there was a female on there, the um, character Amita, and she was brilliant and she was getting her PhD in math and then started in astrophysics. And I'm like, wait, like there are things I could do that are like related to, to math that I could do. Uh, um, and that's what kind of got me, you know, headed in that direction. I've always loved it. It's always been part of, of what I've done. I just never, it never clicked that that was actually a possibility. Uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. 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 I was super excited to have you on the show because you have librarian experience. And I thought like, oh my gosh, they use data constantly. So can we deep dive into that? (laughs) Yes. So I will say first, librarians are cool. Uh, Super cool. Uh, um, And there's definitely a lot depending on, on what part or what area of a library, what type of library you're working on. You might not actually work with it a ton. Um, I mean, not in the way that most people would um, perceive it to be, but if someone's looking for a book, you are are using an interface to query a database, <laughs> which in itself is you're using data. Oh, I mean, that, that is helping people find information about the resources that you have in itself is, is finding data and using data. Now, um, Specifically for me, I, I actually used it quite a bit in what I did as an adult librarian in a public library, also when I was working in a special library, uh, um, a lot with usage statistics and what is getting used, what isn't getting used. Are there different things that we can tweak about our process to increase usage huh? um, and to collect the data on that, analyze it, see whether or not it worked. Uh, um, and even you know, sometimes, and this is, I, I think, one thing that I've seen a lot out there is the difference between data-driven and data-informed decisions. And I think most of the time I, I gear towards the, like, the data-informed because there's going to be a lot of things out there that the data says this, this is the history, this is what it says will happen or is likely to happen. Then sometimes you just feel something different <laughs> or there, there's something else out there that's not quantifiable. That's not part of the data that you're like, no, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go against what the data tells me to do and, and do this one big thing. And, and I mean, an example of that is I ordered adult fiction books when I was at public library and I would a few months ahead of time, put in my orders. I'd look at all the books coming out. And sometimes I'm like, huh, this is a new author. Do I want to go with like our average books that we get? Or do I think of this book? Is going to be bigger. And most of the time you, you go with the, the average and you're like, okay, we'll get some of these. And if it happens to get big, um, I remember one time um, the girl on the train came out by Paula Hawkins and it was, it was before it came out. It ended up beca- um, becoming a movie um, it was on the bestseller list right away. She was a new author, um, but I was reading about it and I was like, oh no, this book. It's be big. I was like, I didn't follow what you know historically, like you would order for a new book by a new author. And I was like, nope, I'm going to order a ton of these, and I'm going to put them. We had a 
what we call the bestsellers table, but really it was books that you couldn't put a hold on. Um, so people could just grab and go instead of taking up the holds and, and then not having it available for people. And I was like, no, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna get some, put it on the table. This is what this book is going to go well. Uh, uh, same thing for Crazy Rich Asians. Fantastic book turned into a movie. Uh, um, and sometimes you just have to go with your gut, <laughs> uh, even if data is fantastic for it. Uh, um, but for the most part, I would always use data to figure out, oh, these books are going down in usage, or do they usually go up again? Is the, the movie coming out? Is there, did a celebrity just talk about this on the, the news? Um, other things that are gonna impact what your traditional um, you know, data patterns would show. Uh, uh, so I think that's, that's probably, probably the, the biggest way that I would use it, but also with our events. How many people came to this event? What day of the week was it? Are there other things going on in town during this time? And just trying to analyze the other um, things that can contribute to whether or not an event was successful. How much you know, publicity do we do for it? Should we do more next time? Should we do less next time? Um, should we put it in different areas? Was this the age group that we were planning on, on having come to this? Um, do we wanna expand that for something else in the future? Uh, um, and then also, with ordering, huh? just in general, ordering books. Um, I, I did this year-long analysis of, of the books that I ordered and found out that if we used a, a one of our other vendors instead of our main one, that we would save a bunch of money uh, um, and then save a bunch of money for us. Uh, so there's so many different ways that you can use data huh? um, in, in the library world. And I mean, I think most of it you can also you know, kind of do in your own personal life um, using all of that. Absolutely. That's fascinating to me because so not only are you looking at a specific data set, you're looking at different data sets that you can bring to the table that will affect mm -hmm. sales and in, in all of in all of that. So how do you come up with those different data sets that are related to what you're trying to find? Creativity and curiosity. <laughs> Uh, um, you know, it, it's hard because you, you never know what actually is affecting something just by coming up with it, but you have to start somewhere and then go, yes, this, this does seem like it's affecting. It. And, and this is not like, I'm not doing like in-depth analysis of this is, you know, causation versus correlation. And, you know, I don't have, you know, the confidence intervals uh, for, for things like that. Um, a lot of it is, is pretty low key uh, on, on using the data for it. Um, another example that I was, you know, thinking of, of how I, I came up with it was we had, you know, at a lot of libraries, you get books that get put on hold because somebody's like, yeah, I want this book. I want like James Patterson, Jen Ivanovich and all these things. Uh, um, and then they get to stay on hold for a certain amount of time. And then the staff, if they don't get picked up, staff have to go through, take them off the shelf, scan them and get them ready for the next person. And so not only was I ordering, so I, I knew I had that kind of, you know, that data set. I also was um, always looking at our book of holds. So how many, once we got to a certain number of holds per title, we wanted to make sure we had a certain quantity of books. So I had to look at that, but then also looking at the other data of how often are these books being on the hold shelf and not actually getting used. Um, so are there ways that we can change our process again to better use our resources, our money, huh, um, to let the, the patrons be able to get these books a lot quicker. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to think of what could be a, a possible reason that this is happening. Huh? Um, and then you try something out and it might not work. 
and then you might try something else out and it does work. Oh, I mean, you add that to the bucket of, of data that you can use later on. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. And I think that's the best like application when you're analyzing data is like how you can change processes mm -hmm. to better do whatever you're trying to do to reach yep. your goals, right? Mm -hmm. Versus just like showing some metrics on a dashboard, yeah. right? You're actually using these to mm -hmm. change the way that you're working. Yeah. So like what kinds of process changes did you implement? Oh, uh, um, I mean, I think there are a, a number of different things that probably that one of the, the biggest, but especially with that last example is that I added more of those non-holdable copies so that people could actually get them. And, and, and at the library that I was at, if somebody had, say, the newest James Patterson book on hold, but then they saw it when they came in, they could still check it out and then it would remove their hold. So it was still letting people be able to, that were on the holds list, get it a little bit earlier if they wanted to, but also other people who were like, oh, I didn't know this book was coming out. Uh, um, so then it was just helping more people see the books, actually like, visually see the books, because if they're all checked out, no one's going to see them. Uh, and they're not going to know that, you know, every week there's, gosh, usually, I mean, this has been a while since I, I was over there ordering the fiction, but, you know, maybe, maybe five new big books that came out the week, but maybe there's also 15 new books that came out by authors. And it's so hard to keep up with all of that. So actually being able to have that available for people to visually see, because we as humans are primarily very visual. Uh, um, so being able to help with that. Uh, um, also, you know, changing where we, we ordered stuff uh, um, so that we could save a decent amount of money every year. Uh, um, did I have to do that? No. Uh, um, was I like, huh? I'm curious, how much would these cost at this one? And how much would these cost at this one? Um, and then actually for the entire year, figure it out because there are ebbs and flows in book ordering, um, especially you know, summer is a huge time. Holiday season is a huge time. So if I was just looking at a time that we didn't maybe order as much, you know, it, it would not necessarily be able to you know extrapolate out to the whole year. Uh, um, so I think that was definitely a, a big part of it. And just having more books available for people or keeping a little bit longer for people huh? Um, that all of a sudden, you know, they're finally starting to come in. But again, you're going to have that second round of, of people wanting to see the books because they haven't been seeing it for the last six months or five months, whatever it is that it's been um, on the bestsellers list and everyone's been checking it out. Huh? Um, so I think that's probably at least in the, the library there, huh? um, a lot of some of the, the processes that were changed. Huh? Um, you know, at, at the special library I worked at, again, analyzing our usage and figuring out, is it, are we getting a return on our money? Uh, um, are there other ways that we can use our money more effectively, huh? um, but still not lower what we're getting for people and helping everyone get? Huh? Um, so I'm trying to change, um, working with my, my director at the time to try to change some of that. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, anywhere that I can, I mean, first of all, I love change management. I love change as long as it is for purpose and, you know, that we're, we're trying to, you know, actually improve something and considering the other areas involved. Because I think too often people don't think of all of the, you know, associated areas with it. Uh, um, and when I can use data to back up those decisions, makes my life happy. Perfect world. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all live in that, right? A perfect world. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> So you've provided a lot of really good examples, and I'm curious of what types of problems are your favorite to solve with data? 
Oh, hmm. challenging ones. Huh? Uh, and that's really like my, my favorite type of problem in general. Um, easy problems are nice, but sometimes just being able to really put in a lot of effort into trying to figure out a problem, trying to solve that puzzle, huh? um, I think it just helps me at least make more connections that I wouldn't have previously and don't take things just for granted and really having to do research into whatever that the topic may be to be able to use data um, to solve the problem or just problems in general. Uh, um, I don't know if there's like a specific specific type for it. I, I would say probably that the biggest thing I actually, and I don't know if this is, but well, I would consider it a problem. Everyone may not. Uh, um, data is confusing for people, right? And people don't understand it. They look at it and they go, this is just a bunch of numbers. Huh? I don't really, it's not my thing. Can you just like help, help me? Um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that I enjoy, being able to help other people understand and use data to help them. Uh, um, because there's, you know, I mean, it's nice to help me. I mean, why not help myself? Huh? Um, but if I can help other people enjoy data and not be scared of it, be apprehensive about using it, think that it's not really that helpful. Um, and also to visually see the data because just looking at, you know, a table or a CSV, like that's not really helpful for most people. <laughs> it's just, it's not. Uh, um, some people it is, some people might very much prefer it, uh, um, but really helping other people solve their problems uh, um, by using data. And that's something that doesn't have to be super difficult, right? You can apply that to something very simple. Mm -hmm. One um, story that we talked a little bit previously that this discussion reminds me of is uh, when you used Excel to sort your VHS movies when you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, um, again, I, I've just been a problem solver. <laughs> I have a problem. How can I fix it? So when I was younger, I, I mean, okay, people our age probably know about this. There used to be VHS tapes before DVDs. <laughs> oh, um, and also on the, like, you know, usually on the weekends, maybe it was a week long thing. You would have like free weekends or free weeks from HBO and, and Showtime and whatnot. And you'd get all these movies that didn't show on your normal cable. Uh, um, so, you know, my, my family, like many families would record them um, so you could watch them again later. And eventually we had this gigantic list of movies and you could fit like three per, per um, VHS tape. And, and, but it was all in order of this is, you know, VHS tape one, tape two, tape three. And I was like, okay, but that's good for the movies that are in the beginning of the numbers. But what if it's a movie that's on like tape 100? Huh? Um, and so I remember asking my parents if I could remake the list in alphabetical order. So it showed us the tape number instead of the movie number or instead of the movie name. Uh, um, so that I could even more easily find stuff and so that they could too. And of course, they're kind of like, you're a weird child. Uh, um, which in my family, like we're all weird and we're all proud of being weird. Uh, um, probably as you're younger, you know, there's a time frame where you don't want to be weird. Uh, um, but for the most part, we're like, well, weird apples. That's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, um, and so I wanted to use, because this is all I knew at the time, I was like, I'll just type it up in like Corel Word Perfect. Uh, um, and my mom was like, there's a different program <laughs> that will probably be helpful. And it's called Excel. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> this is when I'm in like middle school. Uh, um, and ever since then, I've been hooked on Excel. Uh, uh, anything that I can put in Excel to help me 
sort data, to organize data, to display data. I'm all for it. Huh? Um, and I even wanted to, I mean, essentially, and this I don't think existed at the time, like make my own IMDb. Because like I wanted to have, you know, like the, the actors, what movies are all the actors in? <laughs> like trying to find all of this data about it. And of course, I'm not thinking about it in terms of data, you know, as a, a you know, a teenager. Oh, um, but you know, data has been, and organizing data and displaying data has been something I have enjoyed for a, a very large portion of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, Excel is amazing. It's too underrated, in my opinion. Like, it's everyone's, not everyone's, obviously, but like yeah. a lot of people start out their data careers with Excel. Yes. And it's, it's a fabulous tool. <laughs> I think one of the best things that, I mean, for what I see about it compared to a lot of the other tools out there is there's a significantly less learning curve. It is more relatable for your everyday business user than trying to learn Python or trying to, to learn how to use Power BI or Tableau or, you know, any of those other, you know, programs that we have out there that can help us with it. Excel is pretty easy. Um, and, and having that easier threshold to get into using something, I think is a great way to help people really love it and enjoy it. Now, I know a lot of people who use Excel who absolutely hate it, which I don't get. I really don't. I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, well, it does do this. I'm like, it does do that. It does. Would you like to learn? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of learning, us data folks love to learn all the things all the time. What are your go-to resources when you're learning new things? You know, I, I use LinkedIn Learning a lot. Oh, um, the, when I, when I lived um, in Michigan, the um, library that I belonged to uh, um, had LinkedIn Learning as part of the library cards. And it's not, and every, every library does not do this. It's, you know, depends on, on the um, library system. Some of them might have a, an agreement with Udemy or maybe other platforms that are out there for it. Some of them might not have any. It just really depends on, on what it is. Uh, um, so I started using it a lot then. Uh, and it's just, there's so many great uh, um, learning paths and courses that are on LinkedIn Learning that have, I've just absolutely enjoyed. And it's such a variety of topics. Um, I also do personally use um, Udemy, um, YouTube. Um, I was actually just, I'm, I was just working with a, a student worker, right? And, and I let her know, like, if you wanna learn how to, you know, you know, have a really good tool set on how to find things, YouTube and Google. I mean, to try to understand a question that you have, um, to try to learn more about something very specific that you're trying to do, they're fantastic. And of course, like Stack Overflow and their other websites, but being able to use those online resources that are available to everybody that you don't have to pay for, uh, I, I think are, is a really great way for a lot of people to be able to start learning. Uh, um, I also might have a, a slightly obsession with degrees. Oh, um, I have two bachelor's degrees and a, a master's degree. I want to go back to and get more. Uh, um, some for fun and some for per some for an actual purpose. And yes, I did just say more education for fun uh, um, because that's the thing. Like, there's just so much out there. I don't think that I can learn and do everything I want to in one lifetime. I, I just I don't think it is possible. Even if I stopped working, which 
I mean, we all need to pay bills. Uh, so, you know, you got to keep working and you want to be a contributing member of society in some capacity. Uh, um, I still don't think there'd be enough time to, to learn everything that I want to. There's just so much out there uh, um, and, and trying to find connections that haven't been as obvious. Uh, um, you know, maybe it's something that you're learning in, uh, um, you know, graphic design uh, and then you're like, oh, but that's also applicable to data. <laughs> um, if you're trying to, you know, you know, visually display data or let people interact with it in that way, or you know, is there are there things that are happening in like the chemical engineering world that also can be related to something else, but without learning things on, on multiple ends, you can't make those connections with things. And I think it's just my my need to make the world make sense, <laughs> <laughs> which good luck, that's not going to happen. <laughs> That is a little bit of a harder problem to solve. <laughs> so do you have any other final words of encouragement or recommendation for the listeners? Oh, man. Um, part of me wants to say, like, follow your heart. And I do mean that because you do want to enjoy what you do. But if you can find a way to merge your passion with something practical, I mean, I think that's probably like a, a great spot for a lot of people so that you can do the things that you really enjoy. Huh? Um, you know, I, um, one of my friend's daughters, she loves art, uh, um, but she also loves technology. And I'm like, and this is before, you know, AI really started to come, come into play last year. I mean, it's been here for a while, but like really, you know, out there, I was like, there, there's so much you can do with art and, and technology, like mix those two together. It doesn't just have to be one. Um, finding things that you enjoy doing and, you know, is there a way that you can use that to, to help other people or to solve a problem or whatever it is, but find that practical use that's related to something that you're passionate about, I think is is key for a lot of people. I mean, I think it's key for a lot of people. And and sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Um, but if you're able to, you know, be able to interweave your, your passions and things that really motivate you and just put a smile on your face, things are easier for you. Um, yeah, go for it and, and see what happens. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done by sure. By far. But um, true. You know, in time, I, I think for a lot of people, it can happen and, you know, just keep trying um, just because you don't succeed the first time you're doing something. It doesn't mean that you're bad at it. It means that you haven't had practice, which if it's the first time you've done something, you haven't had practice. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, just, you can't be naturally fantastic at everything um, or naturally know everything. Um, you know, keep learning, keep trying and just, you know, keep exploring the world. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming on the show and sharing all of these awesome examples of using data. <laughs> if anybody has any questions, where can they find and or follow you? As of now, I'm only on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not a big social media person. No. Um, yeah, so I am on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm guessing that we can probably put that somewhere in the, the written parts for this. Yep. Uh, um, and then potentially in the, the near future, hopefully in the near future, also on YouTube, hopefully. Uh, um, but that is a, a work in progress right now. Awesome. I'm excited to see what you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, thank you. And as always, folks, happy learning.